This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. In Alhamdulillah Ta'ala, Nahmaduhu, and Astainuhu, and Astafiru. When I would be lahim in Shururi and Fusina, women say Yatia Marina. May Yahdihilahu Fala Mudilahu, and may Yudlil Fala Hadiara. وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما أما بعد فإن أصدق الحديث كتاب الله تعالى وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار On this auspicious day which happens to be a Friday but also the last of the days of Tashriq the last of the days of Eid about which the Prophet said صلى الله عليه وسلم أيام منا أيام أكل وشرب وذكر لله تعالى These days of the 11th, 12th, 13th what are known as the days of Tashriq are days of eating and drinking and days of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I want to bring our attention to an important lesson from the lessons of Hajj. A lesson that we learn that not only is applicable to the season and the act of worship of Hajj, but it goes across the board in every good deed that we want to do, every act of worship that the Muslim wants to perform. One of the greatest lessons that we learn from the Hajj and from the story of Hajj, from the story of the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam, is the effort and the reward that you get for the effort that you make in worship. If you look at the story of Ibrahim salam, whether it's him traveling from his homeland and being exiled by his father and his people, whether it's him leaving Ismail and his mother salam, in what was a barren, dry valley of Mecca, whether it's later on when he comes back and he travels from Jerusalem, a month's distance at least, between Mecca and Jerusalem, he has to travel back in order to see his son Ismail, but to take him and to slaughter him in the place that we today call Mina. Or later on when he again travels to Mecca, and he comes and alongside Ismail alayhi salam, they raise the foundations of the Kaaba by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those actions, those stories, those incidents, we know because of what they represent. But one of the things that we don't think about from the story of Hajj, is the effort that it must have taken from Ibrahim alayhi salam, the time, the hard work, the discipline, the motivation, all of that stuff that's required in order for those acts of worship to be performed. And that is why even today the Hajj is not an easy act of worship, it's not an easy pillar of Islam. In fact, we know that our Prophet wasallam likened and compared the Hajj to Jihad. Because when you're making tawaf in normal times and you're making sa'i and you're trying to stone the jamarat and there's millions of people around you, you're trying to move from one place to another, from Arafah to Muzdalifah, back to Mina, with all of those throngs of people, it is difficult, it's hard. But from the beauty of this religion is that the effort that you put in into the acts of worship, you get rewarded for it as well. It's not just about the end result. It's not just about reaching the objective. It's not just about completing the Hajj or completing the month of Ramadan or finishing the Jumu'ah prayer. But the difficulty that it takes 
for all of us today, this is the first Jum'ah that we've gathered like this in such a long time. And for many of us, one of the things that was probably going through our mind is that it's hot outside. And there's going to be traffic again. And parking is going to be chaotic once again. Those are issues that we think about because they're logistical aspects of our worship. But when you're patient and you're disciplined and you go with them anyway, the reward for bearing through that is something which, you're, which makes your act of worship greater in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So long as that part of, of effort is intrinsic to the act of worship. Doesn't detract from its value, from its benefit. Doesn't detract from its objectives that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to achieve. If it detracts from it, if by doing something so hard in the run-up to the act of worship, you can't perform the act of worship, then that's not from the beauty and the ease and the simplicity of this religion. Like in the hadith in Al-Bukhari, when the Prophet wasallam, as they were traveling for hajj from Medina to Mecca, he came across an old man who was being dragged by his feet by his two sons, old, and they were dragging him, they were walking with him. So the Prophet wasallam, asked them, why is this man walking? Clearly he's too old, too frail, too infirm to walk. Why are you walking with him? They said, O Messenger of Allah, he took an oath by Allah that he would only make hajj walking. That he would walk and he would only make, make hajj walking. The Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Inna Allah hadha nafsahu laghani. Allah is free, has no need of this man punishing himself in that way. Because he doesn't have the ability to do so. But if it's something which you can do, and it's something which is intrinsic to the act of worship, something which doesn't detract from it, there is an amazing amount of reward. And there are a number of hadith to show this principle. From amongst them is the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim. Jabir radiallahu anhu comes from the tribe of Banu Salima, from the tribes of the Ansar. And they lived far away from the masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So every time they wanted to come to offer salah for the Jum'ah prayer, for the Eid prayer, they have to walk. And it takes them a good distance. They found land close by to the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. So all of them decided that they would sell up and they would move and they would move closer to the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ heard this, he said, Ya Bani Salima, diyarakum tuktab atharukum, diyarakum tuktab atharukum. O people of Banu Salima, stay in your homes for Allah rewards you for your footsteps. Then tell them to come closer to the masjid. Like some of us, for this Jum'ah prayer, we came from far and wide. Takes us more time and effort than the person who lives next door or a few doors away or just down the road. That extra effort that you put in is something which is rewarding. That is what the Prophet told us, wasallam. And if you were to analyze and look throughout the sunnah, you would find that some of the most rewarding acts of worship after the obligatory deeds are those acts that are in the run-up or after the acts of worship that are obligatory that you perform. Either they're in the run-up before those acts of worship that are obligatory or it's something that you do after them. Like in the famous hadith of Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu in a tirmidhi where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam saw in a dream that someone said to him, What does the noble company of angels, what do they dispute over amongst themselves? What do the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dispute over? And the Prophet ﷺ was inspired with the answer and he said, Al-Kaffarat. The angels, if they dispute over something, it's over which actions will expiate your sins most. Which actions can you perform that will forgive your sins for you? So then the Prophet ﷺ was asked to name them. And he said, Mashyu laqdami ila al-jama'at, waljulusi fil masajidi ba'd al-salah, wa isbaghul wudu'i fil makruhat. He said that it is to walk to the masjid, to take as many steps as you can until you come to the masjid. 
and to sit in the masjid after the salah. You don't just get up, you're making dhikr. You're making, you're praying your sunnah prayers. You're waiting until the next salah comes. Whilst everyone else is rushed and busy to go back to their lives. You're sitting in the masjid. And you're making wudu in times of difficulty. Meaning when it's extreme cold. And you only have access to cold water. But you're still going to make a full and proper wudu. Those are the actions that forgive you your sins. Each one of them is something which requires effort. And that effort is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards us for. Because for many of us, it's become the trend that it's difficult now to put in effort. Even though as humans, we're programmed that when something is valuable or precious, or we consider something to be beneficial, we're willing to put in time and effort. You're going to buy a new house, you're going to buy a new car, you want to get married, you want to go to university, you want to go on holiday. You're going to take some time and put in some effort to make sure that you get what it is that you desire. But when it comes to worship, we're sometimes too lazy. We don't think like that. Difficult for us. Why do we have to fast on the day of Arafah? It's long and it's hot. Why do we have to do A, B, or C? Because it's difficult. And that effort that is required becomes a burden upon us. This Jum'ah prayer that we're praying right now, some of the actions that are related surrounding this Jum'ah prayer, not the Jum'ah prayer itself, that has its own reward, but some of the actions that are around it have some of the greatest rewards on offer. Some of the greatest rewards on offer that you will find in this Sharia surround this Jum'ah Salah. Because the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith of Aus ibn Abi Aus al-Thaqafi radiyallahu anh collecting at Abi Dawood and al-Nasai and other than them. The Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam man ghassala yawm al-jumu'ati wa ghtasal. Whosoever takes a bath and washes themselves on this day of Friday. Thumma abtakara bakkar wa abtakar. And then that person comes out early to the Jum'ah prayer and they listen to all of it in entirety. All of it in its entirety. Wa masha wa lam yarkub. And they walk to the masjid and they don't ride. They don't come by car or by bus. They walked from their home and they came to the masjid. And that person comes and they come as close as they can to the imam. That the space allows them to come to the imam. And they listen attentively. And they don't become distracted by anything else. For every footstep that person takes, they will have the reward of a full year. The reward of its fasting during the day and its praying during the night. For every footstep, the reward of a year of fasting and prayer for every footstep that they make to the Jum'ah prayer. That's not the Jum'ah prayer. That's not its reward. That's not its position in Islam. It's the effort that you make in order to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's something that I wanted to bring our attention to because it is from the greatest lessons of Hajj. That as we come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we don't let shaitan distract us. We don't let shaitan tempt us to think that those things that we have to do in the run-up to these ibadat, that it's wasted time or effort and energy. But for every moment and for every second that you spend coming closer to Allah and in the process of coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jal, you have an amazing amount of reward that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. May Allah Azza wa Jal make us from amongst those people who show determination and patience and discipline upon their ibadah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to worship Him in ways that please Him. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Wasallama tasliman kathira amma ba'd. It is for this reason, my brothers and sisters, that the salaf of this ummah, Ali Muhammadullah, they would place a great amount of effort and concentration and care in the effort that they would put into those actions and they would teach their families and their children. This Eid that we just performed from the greatest acts of worship that any of us could have performed during these days was the act of the slaughter of the sacrifice. 
And it is very common in our time now to send that money abroad or to just get some company or some charity to do that for you. And I'm not speaking about the halal or the haram of the issue, but I'm speaking about what is the sunnah and the effort required in performing acts of worship. For you to take on that responsibility yourself, yes, it means that you have to take out some time during Eid. Yes, it means you have to go and pick up that meat from somewhere. Yes, it means you have to proportion it and you have to distribute it and you have to search and find people to give it to. But it is that effort that is rewarding. The person who sits at home and they transfer some money abroad or they click on a website, they don't get the same reward as the person who strives and struggles. They don't get the same benefit for their children and their family who then understand the meaning of what it means to make the udhiyah and the sacrifice on this day. And that is why the Salaf Ali Muhammadullah, they would bring their children to the masajid as they were young. And they would make them fast in the days of Ramadan even though it was hot. And they were too young to complete the days of fasting. But they wanted them to understand what it means to work hard for the act of worship and for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The way we push our children in their studies and in their school and in their universities and when it comes to other parts of their life, that is the same level of diligence that we should show when it comes to pushing them in worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in seeking knowledge. They would push their children from young age, from the age of five, six, seven, they're making them go and sit with scholars. And that child's maybe not learning as much as some other people, they're not benefiting, they're tired and they're fidgeting. But they will make them do so because it's training them to understand how knowledge is acquired. And I want to leave you with the story of one of the great scholars of the past from the scholars of Hadith. A scholar by the name of Abdul Awwal ibn Isa al-Sijzi, rahimahullah ta'ala, from the great scholars of Hadith. He, as a child, says that his father would take him to the next village a few miles away. And he would make him walk, and he was no older than six or seven years old. Make him walk during the day under the heat of the sun. And not only that, but he would make him carry stones in his hands. So if he would have two rocks in either hand, if he became tired, his father would say, let one rock go. So now it's one rock between two hands. And after a while, when he would become too tired, he would time to drop the other rock as well. And then he would walk for a while, and when he would become too tired, he would pick him up, and he would put him on his shoulders. And the people of his village would see this every single day, this poor child, young boy, making him pick up stones and rocks and walk from village to village. And they would say, why don't you just put him on a camel? We're riding that way, put him on with us. He would say no, because I want him to understand the weight of books as he will carry them when he goes and seeks knowledge. That's what the rocks are for. And I want him to understand the effort that it takes from traveling from one place to another in order to learn the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That effort that his father put in, and no doubt it wasn't easy for the father to walk with him that way each and every single day to see his son making that effort as well. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewarded him for his sincerity until his son became from the great scholars of hadith of his generation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't just want from you action or the result of the action. Allah azza wa jal also wants to see the effort and the time and the due diligence that you put in in order to achieve those acts of worship. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he blesses us and our families, that Allah azza wa jal keeps us safe and healthy, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protects us from all illness and all disease. May Allah azza wa jal cure from amongst us those who are ill, have mercy upon those who have become deceased. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us firm upon this religion. May Allah azza wa jal unite us all in the highest levels of Jannah. Subhana rabbika رب العزة عما يصفون والسلام على المستنين والحمد لله رب العالمين. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.